Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. Amen. Let's give Jesus one more big shout this morning. Come on. Come on, let's give him a shout. King of kings, Lord of lords. Woo! Amen, amen. Now you can be seated. Hallelujah. It's awesome to be back with you again this year. Um, we uh, made the long, the long journey uh, a couple of days ago and uh, are just so blessed to be with our friends, uh, Prophets Greg and Julie Bailey. Can, can we give them a hand of appreciation this morning? We sure love them. They are like family to us. Uh, you will notice that Julie and I actually end up wearing a lot of the same clothes or we choose the same colors. We think that we may actually be sisters separated at birth. Um, well, I came, came down this morning and turned the corner into the kitchen and there we were wearing red. Last night we wore black together. We, can, we, we, we live a world apart and our closets look, well, hers is a lot neater than mine. But it has this, they basically have the same clothing in them because we tend to pick them out. So, <laughs> but we, we love them. They are family to us. And uh, we always love coming to this nation. We do have a love for this nation and believe that God is going to really mightily use this nation. Um, this morning when I was praying, um, I really felt like the Lord said that he was going to make Australia a, a standard-bearing nation for the kingdom of God. A standard-bearer is actually a military term, and it's somebody that actually carried the insignia or the standard of the, the cause or the movement of the military that rallied the troops. And I believe that God's going to use this entire nation to be a standard-bearer nation to raise a standard, to raise the standard of righteousness, to raise a standard of holiness, to raise a standard for the kingdom of God, that means that God's going to use you. How many are willing to have God use you to be a standard bearer? Amen. And um, I think the world's gone crazy. I know the United States of America has gone a little crazy lately. Um, but you know what? We serve a God that is on his throne. Amen. The kingdom of God, when everything else is shaking, the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Amen. And uh, it's interesting that uh, when I come into a nation, I usually pay particular uh, attention to the dreams that I dream my first night, uh, wherever, I, wherever we land, wherever we are spending that first night. And I'll share just a little portion of the dream that I had uh, yesterday morning at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, I dreamed that there were four angels in this dream. And the, in the dream, they identified themselves as, they called themselves the four horsemen of awakening. Now, let me tell you, in Revelation, you hear about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, death and destruction and famine and all kinds of horrible things. Well, these were called the four horsemen of the awakening. And, and I believe that, they, that they've been sent to this region of the world to truly bring an awakening in the land. And so it was really uh, exciting to me last night when I started hearing Prophet Greg share about the, uh, the Anzac victory at Gallipoli and uh, did a little bit of research last night when he was talking about this. And do you know that they were actually called the Light Horsemen from Australia? And the, the Light Horsemen were actually the ones that ultimately were responsible for liberating uh, Jerusalem from the Ottoman Empire 
and brought breakthrough for the brought brought a, a lasting change to the way that the Middle East looks and to the way that Israel actually it was set a course for them to actually be become a nation again. And it was that warrior spirit that came out of this nation that enabled that to happen. And right now we are in the 100-year anniversary of that actually happening. And, and so I, I do believe that it's a significant time, a significant season. Um, but what was interesting is in my dream when I told my husband about my dream, honey, could you come up here? Because in my dream I told him yesterday morning that the, that the four angels had their arms linked like this. We had no, I mean, we did not share this with, with Prophet Greg at all, but we actually, in the dream, I told him yesterday morning that the four horsemen of the awakening actually had their arms linked together like this. And for those of you that weren't here last night, we actually made a circle. Thank you, darling. Give my, my handsome husband a wonderful hand. We actually linked our arms exactly like that all the way around the circle, and I just felt like that was such a confirmation of what God was, was bringing in this season of time for this week, um, a, a fresh impartation of the, the courage, the daring, the, the spirit of the warrior, the, uh, the tenacity in the spirit that said, we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to press this battle to the full. We're going to continue to engage until we see the victory that God has promised to us. Amen. And I really believe that that's one of the reasons that God has gathered us together. Um, I believe it's not just to hear another good word that we can kind of write a couple notes down and, and say, oh, that's a great word. But I really believe that we gather together in times like this to build momentum, but also to let the Spirit of God change us, to let the Spirit of God impart something to us that wasn't maybe there before. I believe that God really wants to impart that, that spirit of courage, that, that courageous spirit that was in the light horseman, a hundred years ago to see tremendous, tremendous victory. Now, we know that um, this day in history, yesterday was the great day of victory. Today was the day uh, that August 7th was a day of tremendous sacrifice. And in the, in the battle, it ended up being a time of really unnecessary sacrifice. And I know that um, uh, years ago, there was a book written that was called Needless Casualties of War. How many read that? Okay, and it really was about spiritual warfare, and I, we know, we know the, the author, and we know his intention in writing that book. However, the effect of that book was that many people stopped engaging in spiritual battle. They put their spiritual weapons down, and they said, you know what, I don't want to be a needless casualty of war, so I'm going to stop engaging. Let me just say that's not the answer. That's not the answer, and I don't believe that was the author's intent of that book, but that was the effect that it ended up having in the body of Christ is that many people, rather than fighting strategically, rather than contending strategically and, and pressing in to a battle, they said, you know what, we don't want to get hurt, so we're going to disengage. And inadvertently, they formed a peace treaty with the devil. And it sounded like this, devil, I'll leave you alone if you leave my kids alone. If you leave my finances alone, if you leave my business alone or my church alone, I won't bother you if you don't bother me. How many know that we maybe would never say those words, but it can be a subconscious uh, treaty that we form with the devil? Now, here's the problem. You cannot form a treaty with a liar, <laughs> okay, because he will break his treaty every single time, all right? 
And so what I really believe is that God is calling for us to be that, that people of courage that are willing to engage in a battle regardless of how impossible the odds may seem. How many of you feel like you're facing some situations that may have some impossible odds stacked against you? Okay. Well, God is actually looking for people that are ready and willing to engage in a battle. And even if it seems like the cause is lost, God's still saying engage and watch and see what my spirit will do. Amen. Can we play that, that movie clip? There's a, a, a new movie that's getting ready to be released here in Australia. Uh, I believe it's, uh, it comes out of America. A couple weeks' time, this will be released, and it's called The War Room. And um, it's by the same people that did the, the movie Courageous. How many saw Courageous and Facing the Giants and Fireproof? It's by that, that Christian organization. But I believe that this really sums up where the church needs to be right now. So let's, let's go ahead and watch that. The War Room. Woo! That's what God's looking for. God's looking for a people that will engage. Amen? That will engage. We are in a battle. Let me read you a scripture, Habakkuk 3.19. This is not actually on the overhead, um, but I want to read it to you out of the Amplified. It says this. It says, the Lord God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. Let me say that again. The Lord my God is my strength, my personal bravery, and my invincible army. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. You know what that's about? That's about momentum. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to stand still in terror. I'm going to walk on my high places of struggle, on my high places of trouble, on my high places of responsibility. God's going to give me the bravery, the courage that I need to advance in my life, to advance the destiny, and to advance his kingdom for his kingdom's sake. Amen? Just lift up your hands right now. Father, I just decree that strength to the people of God. They may have come in feeling weary. They may have come in feeling discouraged. They may have come in feeling a little hopeless about some circumstances, but Lord, today we declare that you are our strength. You are our personal bravery, and you are our invincible army, Father God. Lord, you're breaking us out of immobilization. You're breaking us out of discouragement, hopelessness, or fear, and Father, you are breaking us in to a spiritual momentum that brings victory after victory after victory after victory. In Jesus' name, Father, I break off the yokes of of hell heaviness, the yoke of worry, the yoke of anxiety, the yoke of fear. Father, we break those yokes right now, Father, off the people of God. Open up our eyes so that we can see. Open up our ears so that we can hear, Father God. Open up our hearts so that we're ready to receive you in a brand new way today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Woo, come on, give the Lord a hand, amen. And so I want to spend a few minutes this morning just talking about some of the weapons that the Lord has given us to, to fight with. I think that sometimes what we can, what we can do is we can, um, when we're faced with a challenge, and when I speak about this, I'm not just speaking about a personal challenge or a personal struggle, but I'm speaking about the challenge to take cities, the challenge to actually transform Nations. How many believe that a nation can be born in a day? 
Is that what the word of God says? How many believe that this is a time and a season that God is saying, if you'll contend, you can actually rebuild the ruined cities. You can actually raise up desolations of, uh, of former generations. Things that former generations have ruined, God is looking to his church and saying, but will, will you raise it up? Come on. So there's a place of personal victory that God wants to bring us into and building momentum in personal victory. But there's also a place of corporate victory that God wants to bring to us so that we can begin to see that every single little victory begins to build a momentum to a greater dynamic of corporate victory. We experience it in our church. You get a miracle that everybody's been praying for and everybody sees that miracle take place. It gives faith for everybody else to get their miracle. Come on, you see one person get a financial breakthrough in in an impossible situation, it gives everybody else faith that God can do the same for them because God's no respecter of person. Amen? when, When you see somebody else's wayward prodigal child come back to Jesus, come on, it begins to build a momentum to say, you know what, if God did it for them, he can do it for me. There's a momentum that God wants to build, but God wants to break us out of apathy, God wants to break us out of complacency. Uh, I I don't know if you remember a song from the 60s, it was or 50s or 60s, it was sung by somebody named Doris Day, and she sang a song called K Sarah Sarah. How many many know that song? Okay. Whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. K Sarah Sarah. No. (laughs) No, just say no to K Sarah Sarah. Okay? Because the future is ours to see. Amen? And whatever will be will only be if we start to decree it, if we start to contend, if we start to war for it. Come on. Do we really believe what we believe we believe? Do we believe that when we pray, God hears? Do we believe that when we engage in a place of spiritual uh, uh, contending that God actually hears from heaven? Do we believe that when God says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive and will heal their land. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe by his stripes we've been healed? Come on, I believe that we're living in a time when we're going to have to contend and say, you know what, I'm finding out if I actually believe. Do you know that? Do you know that you'll never know if you actually believe in healing unless you need healing? (laughs) Of course, Jesus died on the cross to, 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 uh, to, to give us healing. Healing's in the atonement. But then you're faced with something. And then you have to dig down and find out, do I really believe what I believe I believe? Amen? And I believe that God wants to begin to create an atmosphere of a momentum. Let me give you a definition of momentum. It is a force or speed of movement, moving power, the quality of motion of a moving body. I know that it means like a moving body, like an object, a a, a body that's moving. But how many believe that Jesus' body should be moving? Come on. There's a force of motion that God wants to begin to bring. I want to give you the definition to this word breakthrough. Breakthrough. Because this is really what we're talking about, contending for places of breakthrough. It is a military movement. I'm going to talk in military terms today because God shows, shows me these angels coming to stir up and link arms with an army here in Australia, New Zealand, like the Anzac Army 100 years ago. 
Okay? Uh, so it is a, the word breakthrough means a military movement or advance all the way through and beyond the enemy's frontline defense. You know what those, those horsemen did, the, the, those light horsemen? They broke the way open. They were sent in to break the way open. They carried a breaker anointing on them. Now, when I mentioned this to my husband, we were obviously ignorant of your Australian history. But my husband is not ignorant about American football. And in 1924, there was American football team in Notre Dame, and they actually had linemen. I, I, if you don't understand American football, I will, really am not the one to explain it to you, Okay. But the, you know how they face off against each other? Well, those are the linemen. And back in 1924, the Notre Dame football team had these four men that were called the Four Horsemen. And they were known, they were famous, even to this day they were famous, because they broke the way open for advancement. Come on. God wants to release that kind of spirit on the people of this land that are willing to say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to break the way open for kingdom advancement. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent do what? Take it by force. NIV says it this way, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. It suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Now I'm not talking about physical violence. Okay. I'm not talking about that kind of violence, but I am talking about a contending violence. You know what, you know what will usually get people violent is if the enemy touches their children or their grandchildren. Sometimes we're not willing to fight for ourselves, but we'll be willing to fight for them. I'm telling you nations and generations are at stake right now. And God's saying, I've got, stand, I've got a standard bearer that I'm raising up in the nation of Australia. I've got the, the four light horsemen anointing that I'm releasing on this land that is a breaker anointing, a breakthrough anointing that won't just affect you but can affect the nations of the world. I believe that God's going to cause Australia to become one of the greatest sending nations to other nations, missionary sending nation to begin to go out. And, and sometimes you'll go as missionaries to work with churches and pastors. Sometimes you'll be sent as business people into other nations, bringing the kingdom of God in. But there's always going to be this place of contending because, because of the, the strength and the calling and the spiritual DNA that God has put upon you as a people. Amen. Listen to this scripture in, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For though we live in the world, how many here live in the world? Some of you don't, aren't sure where you live, okay? We live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. God's looking for our obedience. Now, years ago, um, in the early 90s, I'm not sure what year did we come with Bishop. 92, 93, somewhere in there. 
okay? Um, we we uh, brought a team over here from Christian International and uh, participated in some large prophetic conferences over here. And uh, when, when the team was coming, uh, I really actually felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you're supposed to go and be with Bishop. Well, the problem was it was a three-week trip. And um, I st- we, we had children that were 6, 8, and 10. And so I, I, that's a long time to be gone from your children, okay? And I heard the Lord say, I want you to go on that trip. So I, came, I went to my husband and I said, I really want you to pray about this. And I, I just pretty much figured he'd say no. And he said, yeah, I think that's God. I think you're supposed to go. And then here's what happens, is that because somehow, sometimes it feels difficult to obey what God says because of all the reasons that we come up with. Does anybody here ever have those issues? Okay. So then I thought, okay, well, my husband, uh, my first one was like, okay, well, my husband's going to say no. So, you know, I will have been obedient to do what I said, and I'm submitted to my husband all the time, right, honey? Right, all the time. Hallelujah. And so I'm sure he'll say no, so I probably won't go. And so he said, yeah, I feel like you're supposed to go. Then my next excuse was, let me just say, an excuse is reason that has no faith attached to it. It's a reason that has no faith attached to it. And so my next excuse that came up was, well, we don't have the money. Because we really didn't have the money. And yet I still felt like God was saying, go. This was one of my first major international trips that I, that I came on. Uh, I'd been in uh, Barbados and Trinidad before this, but this was my first trip that I was ever going to go on by myself and um, without my husband. And, and so I said, well, but we don't have the money. Well, the very next day, somebody walked up to me and said, I feel like I'm supposed to sponsor you to go on this trip. So then it was like, oh, wow, that, that excuse is gone, Okay. <laughs> Now, I wanted to go. I wanted to obey God. But, you know, it's stepping out into something that you've not done before. It can be challenging. And so then my next excuse was, what kind of a woman, what kind of a mother leaves her children with the father for three weeks, okay? What kind, of, what kind of a mom actually does that, okay? I mean, they're going to eat pizza and popcorn the entire time. Okay, they may not get a bath for three weeks, okay? <laughs> My husband said it's like boot camp that makes them strong, okay? <laughs> and so, so, I, was, so I, was really, I was really in conflict over this. And, uh, and the Lord kind of came to me and, and he said to me, you know, you know, if the Lord ever says, come let us reason together, it's a trap, okay? I just want to say, all right? I just want to say it's a trap, okay? Come tell me all your reasons, okay? Why is it hard for you to obey? And so I began to tell the Lord, you know, all these different things. And, and he says, so what you're saying to me is that you feel like your children are going to be harmed because you obey me. I'm like, well, I didn't actually say that. <laughs> He's like, but no, but that's what you're saying. And he said, what you don't understand is that if you don't obey me, your children will be harmed. Because you will have taught your children that when I speak, you get to decide whether or not you obey. And you will have set for them an example of disobedience. Let me just say God does not play fair, okay? 
I'm very, very black and white, and God spoke to me very, very black and white. And he said, what you have to understand is that what I'm asking you to do is to set an example for your children of when God speaks, you obey. How much better of an example could we possibly set for the next generation than to say, when God speaks, we'll obey. I want, I want to tell you, I, I came to Australia. We went to New Zealand. My husband had the children. They all survived, sort of, yeah. He survived. They survived. The house sort of survived, okay. <laughs> My husband said we used to have five kids, okay. Now we've got three, okay, but, you know. <laughs> But my point is, is that, you know, sometimes we're looking to engage in warfare and God's saying, okay, the first thing I'm asking you to do is obey. I'll be ready to punish every place of disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. And so God's asking for obedience from his people. Sometimes it's just that, that inner struggle of us aligning ourselves with God. And then we find out, do we believe what we believe we believe? Amen. So let's talk about some of, the, some of the ways that we contend, some of the ways that we engage um, to, to, to lay hold of this mantle of contending that literally brings a change. By the way, I, I know I ministered a word here a few years ago about a tipping point season. And I went back and I, I wanted to give you the definition of this concept of tipping point because have you turned on the news? Can you see that the whole world is still in this tipping point season? It's still in this season where things are, are being pushed back and forth and, it's, and, it, and there's a momentum that needs to be carried. Let's just listen to the definition of this word tipping point. It is the point at which something becomes irreversible and unstoppable. This occurs because momentum builds up often slowly and quietly until a point when it becomes impossible to go back to a previous state. So in other words, with a tipping point, if you kind of have this, this imagery, if you're trying to tip something that's very, very heavy over, you push at it, you push at it, you push at it, and the whole time you're working against gravity to push it. Okay, sometimes that's what it feels like to change a nation, to change a city, to change your office environment, to change your family. You're pushing against something that's very, very heavy. But at a tipping point, whatever you've been pushing against, that gravity has been pushing back against you. At the point uh, where you hit a tipping point, all that momentum of your push suddenly shifts. And everything that has been working against you suddenly begins to work for you. Because the gravity that was your enemy now becomes your friend. And it tips things over because it's hit that tipping point. I believe that Australia really is at a place of tipping point right now. Amen? And I believe that as the people of God begin to push, I believe you're going to begin to see some things tip for righteousness' sake. Amen? And there are some things that you've been setting in motion uh, over the last season of time in your personal life that you've been pushing and pressing and praying and decreeing and releasing. And now all that momentum of what you've been building up slowly and quietly, suddenly, bam, begins to tip in your favor. Let me say this, is that if, I'm going to talk about this tonight, but one of the words that the Lord has given me for this year, for this season, is that God has declared that it is a time for divine reversals. And a tipping point really is a divine reversal. Okay, even though you're pushing something forward into that momentum, 
I want you to understand that, that, that there something gets reversed. Something suddenly begins to manifest that you've been working for a long time to see. It's a time of fulfillment. I'm going to talk about that more tonight. But I'm telling you, it's a time to see some things begin to turn around for you. It's a turnaround season. It's a tipping point season. It's a time of great momentum building up. And so let's look at a couple of these things. Number one is something that you're all going to go, oh, okay, yeah, I know about that. It is the weapon of prayer. Now, here's the thing. If we really believe what we believe we would believe, we would pray a lot more. <laughs> if we really believe that God hears us, then we would spend more time in prayer. Let me help you to understand this, uh, this concept that goes along with tipping point is that in Revelations chapter 5, verse 8, it says that there are bowls in heaven which are filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So if you can kind of picture it this way, that every time you begin to pray, your prayers are going up and they are literally filling up the bowls in heaven, okay? Filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. When the bowls get filled in heaven, God begins to tip things out on the earth. And here's the thing. There are bowls of iniquity and there are bowls of blessing. And what gets tipped out is whatever bowl gets filled first. It says that God couldn't judge the Amorites because their cup of iniquity was not yet full. Do you remember that in the Old Testament? So there's bowls or cups of iniquity, and there's bowls that are filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. So as we pray individually, as we pray corporately, those prayers go up and they begin to fill up these bowls that are in heaven so that God can tip out the blessings, the transformation, the revolution, the, the breakthrough that God wants to bring to us. I believe that God's bringing a... A, uh, a, a, a revival, if you will, of the anointing of praying in tongues. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more tonight. But that God is challenging the church to begin to stir your spirit man up and utilize the gift of the Holy Spirit in a whole new way. Amen? That there's, there's something that if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know what to pray, pray in tongues. Doesn't mean we don't pray in English or whatever language you normally pray in. But <laughs> Australian, that's right. My husband says Australian. Australian. <laughs> 